One minute, okay. Just want to welcome all the viewers and all that are joining us through Zoom or whatever it might be to the Williams Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church. The worship hour be bringing the message to you and I just pray that the Holy Spirit will add and lead every word that is spoken here today and that the angels will join you in your homes and sit beside you and just be amongst us to protect us from the wicked one that is hoping to disturb and distract everything that is going on on, on this uh, special day because it's always a special day when we come together to worship. And before I begin, let's just bow our heads and as we welcomed everyone already, and let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, it's with joy we come before you and thanking you. What a blessing it is to be able to worship you, Lord, in our homes, wherever it might be during these times when things are so different. Lord, may we be strengthened and drawn closer to you and closer to one another. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak through me, Lord, that thy words will be spoken, that self would be removed, and that your name would be glorified in everything that is said and done. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> When again, the sermon title that they, I didn't know I had to give one, and I gave one yesterday was, They Shall Know the Truth, and the Truth Shall Make You Free, which comes out of, which is our scripture opening for this subject, which comes out of John, chapter uh, 8 in John, verse 32. I want to start with this statement I read here, and it says, in uh, Spirit of Prophecy, it says, In the judgment, men will not be condemned because they conscientiously believed the lie, but because they did not believe the truth, because they neglected the opportunity of learning what is truth. And I just want to, for the first scripture I'm going to read as we start here, I'd like you to turn with me to Isaiah, book of Isaiah chapter 5, and we'll be reading verse 20. And it says this, very um, makes you really think, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And just another statement I'm going to read here to go along with that in uh, Acts of Apostles, page 431, it says, Satan will work with all his deceptive power to influence the heart and becloud the understanding to make evil appear good and good evil. And I, it's, I don't even know where to begin because we are 
since I've last spoken church or since we last been fellowshipping together in church, we are living in a world that has completely changed. I, I just like to state it this way, a world that's gone mad. We have lost um, so many different freedoms that we don't even recognize we have willingly gave away freedoms that we never thought we'd have to give away. And I think what has really been on my heart, and you know, as I, I think about some of the ongoings that are taking place around North America and around the world, you start to recognize that this is an attack. This is an attack on the very character, on the very identity of God. I want to read with you a couple of scriptures um, that formulate the very foundation of the Word of God, the very first two chapters in Genesis, where it all began before, fall, before the fall that starts in Genesis chapter 3. And it's very simple, it's very straight, and it's beyond our understanding of powerful, what I'm going to read. In verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1 it said, And God said, Let us make man in our own, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every uh, creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. In verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created him. And I got this and I was reading this from Patriarchs and Prophets and it says, So God created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. Here is clearly set forth the origin of the human race. And the divine record is so plainly stated that there is no occasion for error. God created man in his own image. Here is no mystery. Man was to bear God's image both, in, out, both inward and outward resemblance in character. We know that Christ alone is the expressed image of the Father. But man was formed in the likeness of God. And you have the plan of salvation. You have creation, and you have a, a world that is created by a loving and powerful God for us to enjoy and to come together. And, and you have these two foundations also that were set um, about the marriage, about man and woman. And also in Genesis chapter 2, it says... Verse 1, thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. The reason I'm bringing this up is we are seeing... And it's a question I have, probably, more than that. I would like to know, and, I, and, I, and we need to ask ourselves that question, is why is so many Christians, not only in other denominations, but even in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, are being so involved in movements that are actually outwardly and inwardly attacking the very identity of God? Attacking very character we were all created equal in his image and that needs to that's the truth that needs to be settled and settled in our hearts
And another truth that needs to be settled is he created man and woman. That truth needs to be settled in our hearts because we are created in the very image of God, plural. We are, we are seeing and we are witnessing some very serious things that are taking place and we are getting involved. And I tell you, as, as I stand here today, the only movement I want to be involved with is the movement of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, the movement that took place back in 1844 that became an established in 1863 and, is going, and has been um, emphasized in the power of Christ in you, the hope of glory, in 1888. And we have a message that I want to be part, part of. And it is carried through, and it's been carrying right through into our time. And we have a specific message that we are to give. And the message is the three angels' message. We have a calling to give and to tell people about Christ. And in the three angels' message, the very beginning is the very fact of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And it formulates the whole setting for why we have been raised up since 1844. And I don't know why we have been, we, we see the very foundation under attack. We see it being attacked because the very identity of who we are is being attacked. And I think everybody that's listening and everybody out there knows what I'm talking about. I don't want to specifically get into details. I want to be more in an over fact of how serious is getting. I read, I read this article here. I wrote it down. It says, the American Physiological Association defines gender identity as a person's eternal sense of being, male, female, or something else. And we are seeing this, all this taking place, and we think it's just, uh, and remember, as I'm speaking up here, it's not about this is not talking about whether we love each other, whether God loves everyone, because God loves everyone. There is nowhere too far a man can go that God will not bring him back, except, of course, the rejecting of the Holy Spirit, which we don't know. Only God knows when that experience or that happens to someone. But this is attack on God. This is not about his love for you. This is a serious thing that is being promoted and has been inter coming into the very places where we believe God has called us to worship and to speak on the very truth that God breathed into the nostril of the breath of life. God gives us life. And God created us in his image. And God created male and female. Praise the Lord. And, the, and if you look at the very sentence in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Then therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And you look that up, they, they are to become unified in thought. In the Greek word shema, it means to become one in character, one in purpose, to represent the very creator who created each and every one of us. Powerful. Powerful, because you have the first two chapters of Genesis before the fall. Chapter 3, you have the fall. You have the promise in chapter 3, verse 15. Then Genesis, then Revelation chapter 20, you have sin destroyed forever. And then the last two chapters, and we're talking, of course, in the lesson study, you have creation and you have the new earth restored. Everything in between, everything in between is for you and I to be able to see truth, to understand, to be able to understand God's love and his salvation and the gift as it is in Jesus Christ for each and every one of us. 
So that's just why I could that's just sort of the setting for this. And I want to go in and I want to say, you know what, we are being lied to. People are being lied to because the only way to, uh, to take away a lie is to give them reveal the truth. And we have forgotten the very truth sometimes, I think, the very foundation that we're in a spiritual battle and we can't win it. It has already been won by Christ, but Christ wants to win it in our hearts. He wants to win it in our hearts. This is a very serious thing that is taking place. And we think, you know, I believe personally, I believe that what is taking place right now is just a beginning, like a stepping stone, like a forerunner to what is coming upon us. Everything that is going on, we are seeing the movement of the King of Thelves. We are seeing the atheistic, we are seeing the, the Sodomistic thinking of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're seeing what it was like before the flood. We're seeing what took place during the French Revolution. We're seeing what took place in, in all these different attacks that have come upon people to draw them away from the very truth as it, as it is in Christ. We're seeing these movements taking place all at once. We think we can escape them because we live in such an educated time, because we have such sophistication. But instead, it seems like immorality is, um, is going into a greater attack because people can communicate more and people and Christians are going on that computer. You know, I used to, I used to have a little sign I used to put on my TV. And I'll read it. I'll read what I put on my TV. Here, you want to see? And I, I recommend everybody put a TV. But you know what? My kids and I, we sort of got guilty when we were watching TV. So I took the sign down. And this is what the sign said in the scripture. And then I'll come back. And it says this. And if you go to Philippians, turn with me. And this is where we're going to go to um, the book of Philippians. I'll just find it here. Give me a second. There, whoops, I'm going the wrong way. So small books, I can't even find it in the page. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And this is what I used to put on my TV. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of, good, of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. I used to have that up. And I think and I recognize, you know what, because of what we have on the, the media, because of the falseness, we need to stick that sign. Everybody needs to put that on, front of the, on the top of their TV so when they go to look at it, they think before what they put on there, before their minds are filled with all the lies and all the deceptions that's coming in from media. Sure, there's truth. There's all these error, and sometimes there's a lot of truth, a little error, and sometimes there's a lot of error with a, lot, with a little truth, because that's the way the devil wants to trick us and, and formulate his lies. And where I want to turn to now is I want to turn to a scripture here in... Uh, I think I'm going to go first to Revelation chapter 4. If you turn with me to Revelation 12, chapter 12, 4, we are in a battle. And these are texts that some of you are very familiar with, and some of you might not be so familiar with. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, and it says this. Revelation 12, verse 4. And his tail Jew 
the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to, do, to be delivered and to devour the child as soon as it was born. So you have just a time lapse here. You have a, a rebellion in heaven. You have stars which are removed. And if you, as we keep reading down, you'll see the stars represent the angels that chose one-third to follow. And you have a time set that is attack on Jesus in heaven. And it was attack to the very point where he was ready to devour, devour the very child, Jesus Christ, when he was born on this earth. And what is the tale? I've looked up the tale in many different, um, you can go into Corinthians, look it up, and one of the words that come up with it is his influence and his lies. And if you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 15. Very interesting here. It says, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 15, the ancient and the honorable, he is the head, and the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail. You see this. I, I, I went on and I, I found a whole bunch of quotes, which I'm not going to go into, in different places. And as I studied this whole thing out, you recognize it's just, it's completely um, an attack. Everything took place. It was attack on the very foundation of Christ, that he deceived the angels little by little, coming to the to the um, to the earth. You have the attack in the Garden of Eden on Adam and Eve, and you have the attack which has not ended from that very time. You had it on Christ when he came, and it continued all the way down to our name. And I'm just going to go through a couple of things here. It says, little by little, little Lucifer came to indulge the desire of self-exaltation. There is only one self-existent, the scripture says in Psalms 83, 18. And that means, and that is Jehovah. And it means eternal. That's what the name actually means. It says, Lucifer allowed jealousy of Christ to prevail and became more determined. And listen if truth and justice and loyalty were struggling against envy and jealousy. Lucifer aspired to be equal with God. He began to insult, initiate doubts concerning the laws that governed heavenly beings. And many of the angels, however, were blinded by these deceptions. There was division because of feeling. It began with feeling. Then they were discontented. Then they were unhappy. And it, it just kept drifting down. And, and then I want to read this quote. And as far as Satan's, and it says, In great mercy, according to his divine character, God bore along with Lucifer. And Lucifer, he did not see where he was drifting. He had not at the time fully cast off his allegiance to God. But then the time came, and he made his final decision. And he made his decision, and it talks about how the angels that rejected his, lie, his deceptiveness in heaven pleaded with those angels that left, pleaded with them not to take that step, not to be deceived, but to stay faithful. And, and so we have where the great controversy began. 
And that's just a little rundown and a little quick. You know, it's, it was interesting. My, um, my daughter phoned me uh, about a couple weeks ago, and she said, maybe it's a little longer than that. It was just not too long ago. And she says, you know what? I'm bothered by something. And I said, what's that? She says, my son Joe went to school after the long break because of COVID. And he had a friend there, and she was a, a, he's 11, and I think she's 11. And he just called her by her name. But in the period of time that he was out of school, this 11-year-old decided to change her gender to become a boy and had a new name. And because Joe called her by, the, by her name that he knew her, but she, he didn't know that they changed, he was reprimanded and he was taken to the principal office and was rebuked. And he was afraid and he said, what is this? People are questioning what is going on. And I know I'm speaking some very serious things here, but again, this has nothing to do with God's love for us. This happens to do, to do with deception that is taking out. And like I read in that opening statement, the very opening statement, I'm going to read it again. In the judgment, men will not be condemned because they conscientiously believe a lie, but because they did not believe the truth. Something to really think about. And now I'm going to turn to a scriptures here, a beautiful scripture, and we're going to look at some, some texts that are very encouraging, but very truthful and very real. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father but of me. And you know, when, when you think of the way, let's just look at the way for a second. When you, even in Acts 4.12, when the apostles, after they, they raised that, that man 40 years and he was healed, and the whole Jewish leaders and all the, the leaders at that time, Caiaphas and all of them come and they were rebuking and asked, um, Paul and, I mean, not Paul, Peter and John to speak, and Peter said, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name. There is no other name. And so there is no other way but through Christ. Psalm 77, 13 makes a very interesting statement. It says, the way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. The way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. Chapter, if you read the ch John, chapter 10, you read the whole chapter of John. There is no other way. There is no other gate we can go through but through, the, through Christ. There is no other way but Christ. But what is very interesting is, is David's approach on it. The way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. That is, an, that is you know, we are here, we know, because of the establishment of the message unto 2300 days, and then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. We know that in Daniel 8, um, Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, we know, 8.14, 8.23. I'm just going to look that up just to clarify that on me, just to make sure I give you the right text, because if someone is following with text, how come I couldn't even remember that text? 8.14, that was it, yeah. 
Daniel 8.14. But when you look at the very foundation, that is another thing that is being attacked. It's being attacked in the most open way. And, and when you really look at it, our very foundation, why we are here as a people, why we are here as a movement, why we are here and called Seventh-day Adventists is because of the very movement and the very understanding of this verse, which points us back to understanding what took place and what is the sanctuary. And like Moses said, and God, you know, let, uh, build me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them, right? God built the sanctuaries to be among his people. The sanctuary is the foundation of this church. Christ came from the top. He came down through the sanctuary, come as a babe, and went right back through it as our perfect example. The very core and the very foundation. And since 1844, we have a very specific mandate that we as a people is, is little, I mean, the literal application of, of what took place during the time of Moses in the wilderness. And we are living where we are going through the spiritual application, the literal, literal, literal spiritual application. And what it says here is very, very interesting. And I was looking at this, and it's just mind-boggling. It says in verse, Leviticus chapter 3, verse 24, Speaking unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of the trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no, you shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of an atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, and ye shall do no work. That was it. When you look at that very seriously, we were called in this time in 1844 for a specific purpose of a convocation assembling together. God brought a people together to come and worship him, to praise him, and to be strengthened in his love and in, in, in coming together and assembling together. Do you not realize, does anybody feel the emptiness of not assembling together on the Sabbath in church together? Have you not felt the emptiness and, 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 and just because there's a joy and experience of coming together because it was one of the things that God asked us to do as a people. Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, right? And we're living through a, a, an interesting experience to what we're going through now. The other thing it says, we are to afflict our souls. When Jesus started his ministry, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When John Baptist started his ministry, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here we are to be in a time of prayer and deep heart searching. This is what God is telling the people at that time, and this is what God is telling us at this time. The, and, and, it, and it says, the entire life of the Christian needs to be laid upon the altar. The entire thought was to be given to seeking God and serving Him. So one of the truths also that is being attacked is the very truth and the very foundation of we as Seventh-day Adventists, our calling, our mandate, why we've been come together. And it is all given very clearly laid out in principles 
in the word of God, but it's so big that we will be learning for all eternity God's love and why we, he took us step by step to where he has taken us to where we are today. So Jesus says there's no other way, right? Paul, um, um, Peter said there's no other way under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And then we have the truth. Jesus is the truth. Well, even with the way, there are so many scriptures and so much to formulate this that it's just mind-boggling how come we are believing so many and we get caught in all these lies and we get so caught up in systems of lies. And you know why? Because sometimes I wonder if we really believe these truths that we read about. The world is seeing Christians and have heard us speak of truth. But more desperately now, as we see everything happening, that we, people need to be, we need to witness for Christ and live the truth. Be a witness in formulating how we live our life daily, how we are on our job, how we are through this whole experience of what is going on. We have an opportunity, we're home alone, we're alone a lot, but for people who are all by themselves, it's a very lonely time. And they just need to be encouraged. And the truth is, we have a responsibility to maybe pick up the phone. And we thank Richard, who does that, and maybe call, and calls people who are alone. I'm not good at that. I get so busy at work, I don't always pick up the phone. But in the last little while, we've had opportunities where I picked up people on the street, like Nick, and I've been praying for him. We're just beaten up, lost everything. His trailer burnt here in Williams Lake here. He's lost everything, and he's giving up on life. And he's walking. He just looks like, and I just pulled over and picked him up. And he told me his story. And, you know, I had a chance to share with him, to pray with him. And this young man, well, Shirley brought a young man to her house. Well, I told Shirley never pick up a stranger. But she picked up this young man, and we had a chance to witness to him, 16-year-old, freezing, 30 below, walking for two hours, about two and a half hours, with a pair of running shoes on, no gloves, no hat, and just one light coat. And you could see he was about to go, he was, he was starting to lose a little bit because he was freezing. And God is putting these across. So even during, the, we say we don't have an opportunity, God is putting across our path opportunities to share and to truth. Psalms 86.11. Psalms 86.11. Teach me the way, O Lord. I will walk in the truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. The truth, 85.11, truth shall spring up of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Jesus says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Again, you look at sanctify. You look at it as in John 17.17. 17. Again, it's an experience that we understand because we have walked through the words of Scripture and we've come to the understanding through the sanctuary message. We got to understand the whole method of Christ's justification, of his sanctification, and we will, as we prepare, as he prepares us for glorification. And, and the very opening scripture, you shall know the truth, and then the truth shall make you free. I remember in India, they had a banner up. Pastor Gil and I were in India working, and there was this banner. And, it's, and they, we didn't tell them what the name was, and they had on there, and the truth, this very scripture, and the truth shall make you free. And it was very interesting as we went to speak there to a place that was full of nurses and full of people that were non-believers. It was Christian people leading a, like a, 
um, a school of about 300 students. We had the opportunity to share the truth to them. John 2.4. Oops, let me get that. The book of first, I mean, third John. Third John, it says in verses three and four. Third John three and four. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And the other one that formerly, I mean, we can go on and on. There's so many beautiful texts that point to the truth. And we know who the truth is. The truth is Christ. There is no other way. We know the way. And there's no other way to get life because Jesus is the bread of life. There is no other way. And you have these very foundational texts that we read. These promises that people are dying to hear. We have a world that is, is being led by deceptions. And you know what? It's really a lot of our fault. Because we have a subject and we have a message to be preaching. But the name Christianity has gotten such a, a bad name out there. You know, you hate to say it, but you know that. It's got a bad name. Because we have, as Christians, we have worked on our own aspect of, of self-righteousness instead of trusting in His righteousness. We try to look good on the outside, but on the inside, we don't have the heart for the people. We talk about Jesus. We want Him to come soon, very soon. But when people watch how we live, do they really believe we believe Jesus is coming soon? We talk about the second coming. But do we really believe in our time Jesus is coming? Would we, live dif would we live different if we really believed it? Would we still be here? You know, I mean, it's a lot of thought-provoking questions of why. Why everything is the way it is and why we are in this position where we are. And a lot of it is because of our own lack of surrendering to Christ and believing in the very message we talk about by how we live and our lifestyle. And it gives a bad taste out there. Not everywhere. Beautiful Christians are all over this world preaching the gospel. It is coming alive. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And it is moving in different areas. But sometimes I, I question... You know, we have our life, we have our homes, we're building our, uh, whatever we're building, our work, our empires, we have school, young people want to establish their lives in that. And we always sort of put it off thinking, not our lifetime. But what we have witnessed and what we have seen, I almost believe, and I was just sharing earlier with them, and I'm going to share it up here, it's almost like a, I don't really like to use the word, but it's almost like a forerunner to how fast a world can change, how fast control can be taken, how fast neighbors will tell on neighbors, how fast you will see a complete um, atmosphere of fear that has taken place in so many lives. I'm not saying there ain't realness and sickness. And I'm not saying there's not real diseases that are taking place. 
But as you go to one of my favorite passages, and it's in Psalms 91, it's just a beautiful passage. It's just very encouraging, and, and I've looked at it a lot and turned to it a lot in my life. And it says, I'm just going to go through a few verses. It starts out with, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. He's our refuge. There's no other place to hide but in Christ. And verse 3 says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler, the protector. And you know what? Very interesting. He says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. And when you look that up, from the deadly diseases. His, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. We look in Ephesians 6, um, 6.14 or 6.12, the shield of faith. Our faith in Christ, in his truth, he will protect us. The buckler was a round little type of a shield. He is our protector. There is a promise in what in the times we're living, there's promises for what we're going to be facing. Because I believe this is a forerunner and everything taking place with all the agendas that are going, with all the the um, miss and tax on the very identity of, of, of God and character on God created man equal, equal. We were all created equal. With all this that's taking place in the world and the immorality and as we see it going at an incredible state, it's just like a forerunner because when the king of the north makes its move, and I'm not going to, if you want to look more into it, you can read about it in Daniel chapter 1140. My brother has done some incredible studies and broken it down clearly. When this movement takes place, when we see, when we see what we've been forerun, when we see the, the um, movement taking place to a day, it's going to formulate through this. We got, now I was reading and I heard on the news now that they say the planet is doing much better, more that more people are staying at home. This is what they're telling you. And it's a preparation for the next step, which they're going to take a day, and they're going to make it as a climate change day for the better of the planet. And we're going to see this come in. And then from there, it's going to take the very next step, which I believe is going to come on because the Bible says there is going to be earthquakes, pestilence, famines. You can read about it in Matthew 24. Read the chapter. A lot of these things are going to take place. And there's going to be things that are going to take place that are going to stir this world. Might be, who knows, major disasters. We have seen a planet out of control, but it's going to get even more crazier. And we're going to see that there's going to be a movement of the Protestant Americans which are going to heed and give the power back, as it says in Revelation 13, to Rome. And we are going to see a movement take place. And we have an opportunity now to speak on these very foundations that God, that are being under attack, not only outwardly, but being attacked inwardly. If we, if we don't believe these very messages that are foundation, I ask myself, why would I be a Seventh-day Adventist? That's the question I would ask myself. 
Because it was not established by me, it was scavenged by principle and by God. The foundation of the Sabbath. The foundation of the second coming, written his word. The foundation of the sanctuary. The foundation of what happens when you die. There are so many questions out there, so many things that we, God has shown us in his word that we need to share it. And yet with all this, it's even greater than that is with everything, the greatest is, is God's love for each and every one of us. That he died the death we deserved, that we can have eternal life that only he deserves. Amen. And I know I have taken and gone through a lot, and my wife always says to me, don't take so much information up because you never cover it clearly. But it is covered clearly in the word of God. So we, while we're at home, we have an opportunity. Why maybe we can't come together, maybe some of us, whatever it might be, we have a greater opportunity to contemplate on the word of God and ask God to remove what it is in my life or anyone's life to prepare us to receive the spirit that's going to be outpoured. The promises are sure. Jesus is coming again very soon. And may he just add his blessing upon the word. May we be faithful. For you shall know the truth. And people need to know this. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. People need to be free. People are starving, they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness and they don't even know. They're trying to fill it. They don't even know what they're missing. But Jesus is coming a second time. May Lord add his blessing. May we have a short prayer here. Father in heaven, may the truth be written in our hearts and mind. May we focus, Lord, not on the bad, not on the evil, not what's going on in this world. But may we focus on Christ, the, our very Lord and Savior, our merciful and loving God. May we focus on what he has done and what he continues to do for each and every one of us. May you bless each one on the Sabbath. May we be drawn. May we, may we set self aside, Lord. And may you fill us with the love of Christ. And may we love one another, be drawn closer to you and closer to one another. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.